Hello, everybody, and welcome back to American Entrepreneur Off the Wall. My name is Chris Pastrana, and we're here with Brandon Stevens having another fantastic uh, sit-down interview. So Finally. Let's, yeah, I know, right? It's been a couple yeah. months. How many months did we miss? I mean, you missed one. Okay, so. it's not bad. Felt like nine. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So it wasn't too bad. It's just, you know, things happen, life happens. Am I the only running podcast with you? What's up? Like, I went so, to check the other day, and I was like, I thought... Yeah, go ahead. So yeah, so it's been, I don't know. So this is actually a good jumping off point for a first conversation for us. And it's kind of, you know, with everything going on, I'm trying to figure out, you know, where to take everything, how to make everything work. So with all of my focus on revitalizing flex work and, you know, after the rebranding, getting up and running, and then getting the window cleaning business going. I haven't been doing a lot of podcasting um, just because I'm managing my time, if that makes sense. And so I'm going to be doing more after I get all of my other stuff settled out mm-hmm. and situated, you know? <laughs> so. Oh, man. You know, I feel that. That's fine. And there's there's certain stuff I want to talk to you over the next coming weeks about flex work and stuff as well. Because I've did just the stuff I've been getting to. I fully integrated um my investment firm with a front end that is completely um it basically we're running with basically what i'm doing is we uh, do you know what an economic development corporation is no but i can guess what economic development is so I'm building one because I'm it's so everything, you know, I'm in the nonprofit world, understand all this stuff. Well, basically, long story short, um, I got sick of uh, everybody and their brother piecing together high ticket programs for 10, 20, 30, $50,000 for yeah. ridiculously small, like parts of business. And then basically, like I've said this for a long time, personal development and success should be outcomes, not not companies. Yeah, like it's just like it's turned into an entire business model. And so I ended up deciding that because I feel like investment is my thing. Partnerage is my thing. I love it. It's what I'll do for the rest of my life. It's what I feel is meant to do. But we've been in this nonprofit world for so long. I've been helping Ray with ESG housing and build his stuff. And I've like, we've been putting it, I've seen all the pieces and I miss being a consultant, but I didn't necessarily want to be a consultant again. Yeah, like, yeah. it's just, it's that weird. Like I like working with people, but I also don't want to be like here. My time value to what needs to happen. Doesn't, it doesn't fit what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. So years ago we ended up, um, I don't know if you remember, we talked about this once, but I used to speak at seminars and workshops around New England, specifically Vermont, um, mm-hmm. through an economic development corporation. And what an economic development corporation's, um, basically their entire purpose is to be a nonprofit that is geared towards the development of the local economy, specifically geared towards businesses and commercial real estate, et cetera, anything that involves like the growth of businesses, right? Yep. And so I will not name their name uh, for the simple fact that I don't want it, this to be like an insult, but it's like facts are facts. Um, New England is a part of a good old boys club, right? It is run by old generations of entrepreneurs and individuals and a ton of red tape and politics to get anything done and the economic development corporations um, were awesome people but everything grew at a snail's pace 
And it had a lot of old fashioned values, like the technology was lapsing, the programs they offered were lapsing. There was a lot they didn't do. They did a lot for people, right? But they, there were things, they're, they're not moving into the new age is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like the old fashioned mindset versus new fashioned mindset. And so I'm like, how do I help people? And that also benefits me and everybody else. So basically um, I ended up talking to several individuals and uh, you see me with kind of like my journey into spirituality and all that stuff mm. and understanding, you know, like talking to God, figure out how do I get back? How do you kind of like the Gary V philosophy of how do you, how do you host the party for everybody else to play in? And then you just get known by default. Right. Yeah. Um, and I like relationships. So we ended up deciding to launch this thing called impact new england which is an economic development corporation focused on new england specifically and new england entrepreneurship and the growth um basically the growth and preservation of entrepreneurship throughout new england and it's going to be a hybrid a for-profit and a non-profit we're going to lead the non-profit arm um very little for-profit activity but just there to you know navigate what we need to um but the 501c3 side is going to be there and basically i have gathered with a bunch of individuals and the start of this is going to it's going to be interesting there are several factors to it um it is we are it's me Several other individuals, including a financial planner, an exit planner, an MA person, all these you know, higher level people who have all the stuff that could charge tens of thousands of dollars for it, yep. but feel like me. And they're like, people need to know this from day one. If you want to start a business, you need to know this stuff day one. It's just going to help you, right? It's stuff yep. you need to understand. So we're developing a curriculum under Impact New England, which by the end of next year will turn into an app that you can download on your phone, which will have this entire curriculum on it from A to Z um, to build valuable businesses, know everything we know, understand everything we do and get familiar with all of us. And basically like better than any program in existence ever will be available on your phone free for download along with all our news updates, you know, push notifications to events we have going on, which will be like pennies on the dollar and different things to get the actual help you need as a New England business owner. But here's the thing. Um, we're leading with this and we can do this and we can put this out for free and we can help people because there are multiple tiers to this that allow us to get what we need on the back end, which is growth and, uh, you know, profits and building our own stuff because I run an investment firm inside this app with new Pat with impact New England, everything we're doing, there's going to be a part of it where when somebody's interested in selling their business, or raising money for their business or you know getting debt sourced on their business or any of that stuff they can fill out a form and who is that where's that lead going to it's going to us right yeah we know how to deal with it like so we're giving away all this stuff for free and we're going to help people and putting time and low cost and all this stuff and create this ecosystem where you get everything you'd usually have to pay for for free and get help and customer support whatever you need and actually focused on caring for the local economy to create what i call this flywheel right and so what's going to happen is we have impact new england and we're going to be putting all this out, building a big organization around it, 501c3 side, leading with charity and all that stuff. And it's going to help incubate small businesses and entrepreneurship around specifically the New England states. And then as these businesses get grow, they're going to, some of them are going to need places to stay, right? Like to live at, did not live, but to like work out of and operate out of flex space, warehouses, commercial real estate, et cetera. So mm-hmm. the second part of that is my investment firm, and a couple of my partners are going to be using outside money to, to take down commercial real estate in New England 
and then provide these places for these individuals. Now, how can we do this in a really creative way? Well, I know how to loop in nonprofits. So it's one of those things where we have, we can either use it for return on investment and then provide it to these individuals for regular leasing and get that return on investment basically yeah. on how commercial real estate works. Or if like, let's say we have a mom and pop, I call it mom and pop, but it's not a retailer, but let's say we have someone who want, needs to get their business off the ground has showing good traction, Yeah, but is kind of scared to make the leap. Like they don't know that it's not consistent enough to afford a commercial real estate space, but if they did, it would help them dramatically. Mm -hmm. Then we loop in the nonprofit side and we can set up an agreement and like, okay, cool. We'll cover it for first three months in the nonprofit. Go ahead, get your traction, get a start, see what happens, right? Give people the chance. And then guess what's going to happen? If it takes off, they're going to be able to lease that space, right? Yeah. We just incubate them into that space. That's one level. And it's one of those things where when we want the nonprofit out of it, we can just take it out and flip it back to the for-profit side because you can sign your lease agreement over. You just got to set it up correctly. So we have Impact New England incubating these businesses. And then we have Impact New England in the investment firm providing commercial real estate as needed, right? We're going to have people spotting this stuff, figuring out over time and bringing outside money into New England. And then the next part of it is private equity. That's my piece, right? Out of all of this, I'm building a team of people who can systemize, automate, and take these companies and help grow them as needed. Like I said, M&A, debt sourcing, equity raising, uh, the, the value drivers, the age of value drivers of business. I have a financial planner and a financial advisor on my team. I have a guy who's really good with exit planning, systemizing, et cetera. So when these companies get to a certain point and need this stuff, we're going to be able to offer it to them in exchange for equity, which goes into our investment portfolio. And then if they need money to grow, we just bring in the money from the outside. Because what happens is now we're pumping money back into New England and the New England economy. Yeah. And then the final piece is we take these people though and help them achieve their dreams and get wealthier. Like, for example, you, if I help you become more wealthy and I help you build stuff and I help you get the flex work and have it take off, you're going to have more money. And by a partisan of that more money, you're going to want to place it into investment opportunities. And where should those investment opportunities be? In New England. And if you place it in New England, you're now creating this economic flywheel where we have a free place to help incubate people and it gets people on the right track to then solve the bigger problems. Because as these entrepreneurs build, they're going to want to solve problems, affordable housing, homeless, all this stuff. They can, we're going to show them how to start their own nonprofits. They're going to be able to provide, you know, op, donate to ours. They're going to be able to make impact-driven investments and actually build back the local economy. I'll give you a great one. If you drive by a car wash, and I was learning this because I've been, I've connected recently to a commercial real estate developer, and we've been talking extensively about this. He, he took an abandoned rundown car wash and turned it. A, a piece a business that was a commercial piece of real estate and turned it into something that became micro units, mm -hmm. which filled a gray area for restaurant startups, which is the area between food truck and retail leasing, because retail is way too much for a startup to afford and food trucks only provide so much value and only allow you to grow to a certain existence. Mm -hmm. So we provided micro leasing. He turned a commercial car wash into micro leasing units through a very specific way that then incubated 
these restaurants, anybody who wants to start a restaurant in the area or a restaurant group, they could put culture back into the area through these restaurants. And it helped the local economy just explode. Like it, it gave a place event, you know, on the, on the last bay, they turned it into like a plaza, right? So you had the restaurants and then you had the plaza and then everyone wanted to go there. And so you take that concept and do things like that. You can wrap in the nonprofit for protection in case the pandemic ever happens or for to incubate leasing. There's so much stuff you can do, right? Yeah. So I kind of went on this route where we're going to take this, this vision and I've gotten several people into it and like, you can join it too. It's kind of like when you and I went in and uh, we were trying to push P3D before mm-hmm. we how to do a nonprofit. We had a good vision. We had a solid foundation and we're doing it for the benefit of the people. And we're just, it was going to benefit us on the back end, right? That was the only core, yeah. right? This, we, I finally figured out how to make that work. And now I have the tools to do it. It's just not for that reason. It's yeah. for something specifically entrepreneurs in New England, right? So that's kind of like the craziness I've been in too since we last talked. But, nice. My, my stuff is not nearly as crazy. <laughs> I, well, it, it sounds like a lot. I only do two things. Yeah. In Plaque, New England and my investment firm. That's it. Like it's yeah. not like you do. You actually do a lot more than me. My stuff is just kind of elaborate, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For us, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Um, <clears throat> so flex work, we've been getting that back off the ground. I've been getting a lot of virtual offices yeah. signed up, which has been great. <clears throat> and then we not, I can't say hired, but I guess bartering with the woman who does social media management, you know, bartering better type That's of stuff. A good yeah. way to grow though. I mean, like bartering service. What do you, what do you, it's what everyone used to do back in the day. Yeah. It used to be like a common, a common way. Like you'd get, be like either pay or barter. You pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she needed a place to work. So she's using yeah. one of my offices and in exchange, she does the, um, what is it like? I have her working on a bunch of advertisements for their virtual spaces, you know, all that type of stuff. And then she also does things like takes the trash, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So she's my, essentially my community manager. And uh, so I don't have to be at the co-work or flex, sorry, flex work. I still do that. It's been like four months. <laughs> um, so I have to we're be the flex work. Hosting, uh, we're going to end up hosting an event there for Impact New England. Yeah. yeah. So I there's a lot of things going on right now where we're, restructuring some things on the inside paintings getting done the mailboxes are put in um and then we're changing the front room to more of an event space instead of co-working because co-working has kind of been dead so minimum um we're going to stick with like flexible event space for the front and then people can work in there when an event's not going on essentially so yeah so it's been going pretty well I like that. I like the whole, it's the whole thing we used to talk about the other entrepreneurship place that incubated them um, because of the 2020 pandemic yeah. that's yeah. down a lot, but people still want to meet in person. People yeah. still want it. So it's like yeah. events are still a thing and people love them and go to them. And I think value them a lot more now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been going well. Um, let's see what else has been going on. So NH10 has been doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're kind of expanding into just general window cleaning, which is profitable. <laughs> yeah. Just a little more time consuming and hands on than I wanted it to in the beginning, but it drastically increases revenue. So I don't care. And then I'll uh, 
expand some other stuff as we get going so i don't have to do all that work i scooped up it's i ended up scooping up um a couple friends it's crazy how life works i had a couple people i've helped over the years um that just never chart you get what i mean like never just like you i just Mm -hmm. help right you ask me anything i would just give you to freely you know help you as much as possible i do that with several people um a couple of them ended up in some really high-end positions in life. <laughs> like so, so, so I'm like multiple six figures a year plus equity and jobs, like high-income earned jobs. And now they've come back and they've asked me if I can help start building their portfolios in private equity and commercial real estate. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is, you know, it's kind of like it's that super long game, you know? So I've, it's kind of interesting because I never considered myself as, I, I consider myself a deal guy, but I never consider myself like a portfolio manager, even if I can say that, but it's yeah. getting to that point where you know, I have people coming to me, you know, asking about that. And so I'm kind of pr- uh, pushing it towards helping people build their portfolios of private investments without being like, I can't advise on investments, but like through our opportunities in New England, because I think this place needs it. I, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, but there's a subject I wanted to ask your opinion on because I'm extremely passionate about it and it irritates the hell out of me. And me and Drew were talking about this earlier. I've seen three entrepreneurs in the past two years exit their companies for from tens of millions to one over a hundred million dollars. And they take that money and they dip. They go, yep. they leave New England. They take hundreds of millions of dollars outside of new england they go to florida they go to texas they go to cali they go anywhere but here and then they talk about back home and the problems back home yeah (laughs) it drives me nuts i'm like if you want to solve those problems why'd you leave like, don't just complain about them. Stay here and solve them. Yeah. Put that money to work here. It's like the economy is not going to change unless you take that money and you make impact-driven investments. You start nonprofits. You put it back to work in this area. And if you go to your Facebook page, Chris, you're like, your stuff is all about building a community along New Hampshire in general. But it's like New Hampshire and New England. Like you, I've, I felt maybe you're on the same page as me that that's kind of like insane. It's kind of like hypocrisy. Yeah. I, I can see both sides of it pretty well. Um, Cause at, at some point you kind of get frustrated and just fed up with everyone else doing terrible decisions and you just go somewhere where, you know, maybe people think more like you, I totally get that. Um, you saw it a lot in 2020 during the pandemic, people mm. fleeing any place, you know, not to get super political, but they leave certain political areas and they kind of move towards other ones yeah um, florida the rush to florida <clears throat> florida texas you know all those same places you mentioned and you saw that just because of more of the political leanings in those areas um so i can understand that and but at the same time i do agree with you that staying and actually making a change in your area is important too you see i have my argument is that i firmly believe uh, there's levels to it, mm-hmm. but if you if you take the levels out of it and you just ban, if you just focus on the positions in general, I believe private business owners have more power and influence on a local economy than politicians or governors ever will. And I believe if they put that together with other ones, and people saw that, like if they like if me, you, and fifty other people 
were like, all right, we're private business owners. I'll just use a random location, Londonderry, for example, and we wanted to change stuff there. We could if we banded together. Yeah. And we're like, right, because we control the consumership. We control, we have impact through economic, through the ability to control consumership and the multiplication of all of our efforts together. We, we can do things through investments. We can do things through nonprofits. We can do things through consumership and gearing our own business certain ways to regulate how things are done. I really believe the private business owner has more ec- power than big gov and politicians are trying to do the same thing in your area. I'm not talking worldwide. I'm talking in, like if there's a problem to be solved in New Hampshire, Vermont, even your town, we have more power to solve that problem than the other bigger things like the politicians and the state and all that stuff that we try to rely on. Does that make sense? I do. Um, so so I agree with you. The we definitely have a lot of leverage that can be had, but I think we've seen just over the last, let's just say five years or more, politicians like to wield their power in their interest. <laughs> and I know of some cases where um, they will use that power to directly target businesses that um, they don't like, essentially. So you have to have to be careful of so I agree with you. If you can get a lot of businesses together and That's moving in one direction, then yes, you can definitely make an impact. Um, but it's having a big have, enough movement. You got to have a dedicated group of individuals in different areas to do this, though. That's mm-hmm. the thing. You can't just be one. It takes one to get it started and you can't be scared, but you have to have debt. Like almost like I'm going to use this word, word loosely, but almost like a board in every area. Right. Like how they have chambers of commerce, a much better version of that. But a board for that area of mm-hmm. business owners who want to manipulate change in the ways that actually benefit the local economy and yeah. get stupid ideas out. Right. I, I saw this in, um, I won't say it just on the podcast, but I saw this in a town near me where they were going to pose a mandate and mm-hmm. near the end of 2020. And they're like, there wasn't every business in the area. It was a group of them, like maybe 12 that got together and they're like, this is not happening. And we're all going to refuse to acknowledge this. And it was just a handful, right. Yeah. But a board. And then the the local area was like, oh, we're going to push. Well, we're still going to try to push it through. And they did. And the business owners stuck to their gun and the cops and everybody else refused to do like refused to enforce the mandate at that point. Yeah, because they're like, no, we're not. This is no, it's not happening. Like if these guys don't believe in it where it's not happening, there's 12 of them. Like, I'm not going to shut down 12 businesses. You get what I'm saying? Like it was it wasn't everybody, but it was just enough. That's the point. Like it's yeah. it's got to be that certain amount that just stick to their guns no matter what and got to be unified on it. But if you imagine getting 12, 10, you know, you like even even just 10, either number, getting 10 fast growing companies in a specific area to invest back into that area, how impactful that could be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and as I said, if you get enough businesses moving in one direction, then yeah, you can make a you can make a huge impact on an area. So it's just getting it, having the leadership to do it, and then actually following through and doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what, and I think the start to that, getting, being able to get that 
comes at the beginning of everything. That's why we've decided to do the uh, Impact New England thing and start with a free, you know, like the nonprofit side, the free side, you know, to build the funnel is because you got to train people to think in a certain way when they're young, because it's like they're anybody getting in touch with young businesses, the more they can see that when they get big, they'll still remember that. And then they'll understand and have a blueprint to follow. And if part of that blueprint is investing back into your local economy, we've got you to understand what we want you to understand, which is you can reinforce your own area, which is, uh, it, in my opinion, get enough people in that direction. We're not another thing like the pandemic will never happen again. Yeah. Like, well, it won't, at least it won't be as catastrophic as it was. Is just yeah. My but yeah, definitely. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, Central on the podcast, I want to ask you um, my favorite project of yours that hasn't happened yet the studio. <laughs> yeah. So, Talk about that. Yeah. So, as I was saying earlier, I pretty much funneled everything down into dominoes, essentially. So, yeah. I know, you know, Different ones I, to, yeah. yeah. So the flex work is reviving itself. I put the, I'm putting the pieces in the place for that to do well. And now I'm focusing on window cleaning, window tinting. And as I grow that, it just creates a lot more revenue. And with the extra revenue, I can then start applying it towards other things. So, um, so while, while it's on the back burner, it is the next business I'm going to launch. <laughs> so I've been keeping ideas of, not ideas, but um, my eye on real estate, trying to find a good area. I have a pretty good area in mind. And then populated. Yeah, I'm, I'm aiming for like Manchester. Hmm. So Manchester yeah. hooks it because if I go Manchester, that's fine. If I go hooks it, you can pull everyone from Concord to Manchester, which is most of the population in New Hampshire. <laughs> and, uh, so generally that area, you know, hooks it to Manchester area, really pulling a bunch of people down to the, to, um, down into the, the selfie studio. Mm-hmm. So, yep. And that's pretty much it. Just keeping up good ideas. Um, there's a bunch of them online, so you can kind of source from other selfie rooms that like, what's a good idea in the area or like spread out over the U S over the U S like there's none in New Hampshire that I've found. There's there's maybe one or two in Boston. I'm going to assume. I know Tin, not Tin, not Tin World. Um, Selfie what, World is in Boston, so I'm sure I there's other ones. Interested is uh, see this is this is where it's going to get interesting. Yeah, I like I like the idea of it. I can see the appeal for it. I'm just curious if the 2020 pandemic suppressed what the numbers would do pre the pandemic permanently or not you get, maybe yeah so i mean it's always possible but from what i see online if you spend have you talked to any other like selfie like this is what i would do i would talk to other i wouldn't tell them that's what you want to do so they think they have competition but i would figure out a play to talk to other selfie studios that are up and operating maybe smaller ones and ask them how they survived the pandemic and what their numbers were Maybe interview them. Maybe put on podcasts like this. Who knows? Yeah. But if you can get them to talk about it, now you're going to have your solution to have ideas, right? Yeah. I mean, if you look at other, what? Is it? If you look at other um, social media platforms like TikTok, Instagram, all those places, you can tell which people are using selfie studios. <laughs> Um, because there's, there's very telling features of them typically. So 
just flip through TikTok or like I said, or Instagram, any of these other places, and you start mm-hmm. seeing very similar things. So once you see them, you're like, okay, they're still very popular and they're very helpful. So I think it's an industry that has survived the pandemic and I think it's going to continue to do so. So, cause people need, everyone wants to be an influencer and a TikTok person and all that stuff. So as long as you give them a nice background, they, uh, they tend to take a bunch of pictures. <laughs> How close are you in your location without disclosing it? How close are you to other cultures such as uh, restaurant and stuff? I think that would be a great decision to put a selfie studio in walking distance of food. Yeah. I mean, uh, right around here, there's a bunch of stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at putting it in essentially the, the center hub of New Hampshire. So that won't be an issue. Right. I think that was good. I mean, you get, you, there, there's a play there, right? Like if you're a, there, <laughs> you can, if you put it near food and music and alcohol, like you're going to get like the mass appeal of it, but then you're yep. going to get people who are drunk and come on. <laughs> Correct. Um, oh, there, there's then, positives and negatives, but I think the positives outweigh the negatives. Oh, absolutely. And well, one thing I'm really keeping an eye on is using part of the studio to set up a more traditional photography space. Hmm. I was going to say it would, it might be smart to have a photographer in there. If not, if not running it full time. Yeah. So time, like so, you know, do photography and run it part time. Yeah. Like so kind of two different stuff. areas of attack there. One is a photographer who is a, kind of runs it like you were saying, or like almost a subscription model where they can bring their clients in for however many hours a month you have your subscription models kind of scale and then they come in and bam, 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 they can take their pictures with their clients or within like a, a dedicated space. So very similar to how the flex work works, where you kind of rent out, you know, the hall for a couple hours, same thing. So photographers won't need real estate. They can use our studio and the selfie museum at the same time. Mm. So it'll give you a subscription to hopefully kind of like a co-work for photographers. I like that. Correct. So pull if there's enough of them nearby oh there's there's thousands of damn photographers like everywhere photographers are like realtors the part-time ones is opposed don't don't think of it like a business but like people who would rent it just yeah. to try to get a business started or make extra money doing photography absolutely and they're not gonna you know go out and rent a studio and but no if they have a shoot they can you know just add it into their costs for a day and I see it a lot. I've had many photographers reach out to the flex work about, you know, can we uh, essentially cater to that? And I'm like, probably not because our spaces isn't quite built for that, but right. possibly in the future. Can you partner else. with a local photographer to create a photography boot camp for development program and then upsell to that, split the profits with them? Yeah, it could be anything we would decide. Like you know. right. Use uh, what my favorite. Um, you can create really, really good looking apps for cheap on goodbarber.com. It's my mm-hmm. favorite app builder thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's where we're building, going to be building the Impact New England app. Um, you could create a selfie studio app with different, you know, like the best ways to do photography and stuff and get everybody download it for free. And now you have a free marketing channel that's much more open yeah mail to just ping them with notifications and it's going to cost you like maybe 50 bucks a month to run that app that's pretty good yeah it's you that would be a cool channel like and then check in at selfie world 
<laughs> you exactly. know what I mean? Like is it Facebook check-ins, Instagram hashtag stuff, you know, get people to start bragging about it. Oh my God. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah, definitely. I'm super excited about it moving forward. Um, so what's stopping you like from doing it? Just raising the, or how- yeah, right now it's just revenue. So yeah. revenue manpower. So it'll be, um, just because I'm still doing window cleaning. Um, that's just a time thing. Cause to add even more onto my schedule is just, I need to make sure I'm making enough money before I can go full time kind of sure. switch over to it. Cause it's going to be, you big... do you want to switch your time between tinting slash window cleaning and the selfie stuff? Yeah. Cause window cleaning makes so much money Yeah, that, um, yeah, I'm surprised it... you have not made enough money to just go full time in that. Yeah. Because yeah. every time I talk to you, you're doing better. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's, drastically helped bring the flex work back online with all the, the money you know so just getting everything back up and running and all the stuff it's been huge for getting everything working um so then people don't realize how lucrative window cleaning can be because it doesn't sound like it but you know i charge at like 100 dollars an hour essentially right so and now oh, that i have sounds- yeah, I mean, it's great for window cleaning. It's freaking simple. <laughs> that's why it, it's so simple. Business. I mean, that's a, one of the businesses I'm really interested um, to buy is one of my mentors recently bought a power washing company and they put out an entire blueprint for it, like like step by step that blow your mind, honestly, on the different ways to increase revenue, lock in annual contracts, survive the winter, all that stuff. And it just like really opened my eyes like to how lucrative a power washing company can be and how you can actually systemize what most people never systemize in their life. And it's, uh, it's crazy to me because I'm like, you can start a power washing company for about 500, 600 bucks. So mm-hmm. It's like, there's, I haven't looked it up yet. Um, but we're probably going to be searching for maybe an off market power washing acquisition. I personally, I'm like, I'm interested to see I've, want to talk to a couple and see how they're currently surviving new england because i have a couple way new england winters i have a couple ways yeah. around that um annual contracts upsells other things to do to lock in without needing to complete because a lot of these service guys around here who thrive in the summer they then switch in the winter to random stuff like yeah. snowballing, shoveling and in my opinion that's not a good way to run a business because they're two completely different things than your actual business right yeah. so you got to set it up different than that so that you can survive the winters and you're not completely off track of what you're known for and doing everything under the sun so winters is very difficult when it comes to like i said window cleaning any of that type of stuff yeah my next question what do you do in winter for window cleaning i know it's different but what do you do i mean the best you can really do is maybe switch to um, like dump interior cleaning and or exterior cleaning and just go interior yep. so it just but a lot of people don't like that it's just it i'm still playing with what i want to do there uh, one of the things i got um told to do was lock in annual con well i don't know if this would work for this for power washing not window cleaning but mm-hmm. might spark an idea lock in annual contracts up front um and because people know that they're not probably not going to do that much work in the winter it's at a discount but you're actually making more than if you didn't lock in the contract because 
of that. You get what I'm saying? That arbitrage yeah. there. Like it's an annual contract upfront at a discount, but that discount is still more than what you would make if you were just doing it on, oh, they called you up to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that was an interesting play that uh, this meeting is going to end. No, it's fine. I, I took care of that. Okay, good. So yeah. that was an interesting play um, that I saw that helped the one of the power washing companies you buy totally blow out their you know, normally what they would do in winter because they turned a power washing company to a subscription service with annual contracts. And yeah. all of a sudden, 8% of the revenue came from subscription services from the annual contract. It was like, okay. And then the other 20% was basically the summer months where it was like people not on annual contracts. And that was really interesting to me as one play. Yeah. So I've seen, what is it? So with the company I was working for, um, they have annual contracts, but they pay every time you go. So you get set up on a monthly contract and this is more for route work over like projects or houses. So houses, you make a lot of money um, because it's like a once a year most of the time um, you show up at the house, you clean it, they pay you. It's top dollar work. Right. Right. Um, but if you do route work, the difference is you, it doesn't pay nearly as much because you usually have like business fronts, a lot of things like that. Um, the benefit is you can do that type of stuff. Even, even in the winter, as long as it's not super, super cold. Right. Uh-huh. So they kind of do those all year round. And it's okay, you know, so it, that's kind of the trade-off, but it's on a contract so that, you know, you're going to be there 12 months a year, once a month, right? So, I mean, you still have to work in the winter, but at least it's right. guaranteed money. Yes, that's the thing. It's guaranteed. You're not shuffling. Yeah. You're not worried. It's creating consistent revenue, which also looks good on the eight value drivers and getting your business ready to sell it at someday. Um, looks really good, actually. Um, but yeah, there's different things like that. And I was just like really thinking outside my, you know, outside the box on different ways. I'm like, there's a lot of boring business around here that um, can be systemized and stuff. And ones that, you know, like, I'll give you another random example, uh, property management. I didn't realize till a couple of weeks ago that Vermont and Massachusetts, you don't need to be a realtor and you don't need to have a license to do property management. I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. that's like all right yeah some places you do some you don't yeah most most actually most places you do yeah you know like be a realtor and and very few places you need to have a license and then there's like a handful of states and vermont and massachusetts happen to be two of them maine is another one if i remember correctly you don't need anything and i'm like all right, that's New England specific. <laughs> like, wow. But New Hampshire, you do. You do need a license in New Hampshire. It's yeah. interesting because we're the live free or die state, but the two states next to us don't need one. All right. Um, mm. But yeah, so they're a little like, also depending on the state, that's a very boring business, by the way. And so I was looking at it and I was like, wait, I saw a property management company. They they bill something like... Um, or 10% or hundred bucks a month or under 30, which doesn't seem like a lot with all the work they actually do. But then I was looking at the finances and how they build their customers and stuff. And I realized they were charging contractors. One of the companies like we're hiring contractors at 30 to 35 an hour, even 40 an hour. Mm-hmm. And they were charging their customers 
$71 an hour for the yeah. contractor work. I was like, there's your money. I'm not saying, you know, like I was like, there it is. I was looking for that. Cause I'm like, why are, how are these companies that profitable at these prices that, you know, like 97 bucks a month, 130, yeah. I'm like, there's no way. And then those little upsells add up every single month and yeah. year. And I was like, whoa, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, we see that in window cleaning from time to time. We have a, we had a few contracts back in my old company where, um, say, a, a store at the mall, right? They go out to, I forget the actual term for it, but they go out to a company, they bid it. Um, the company then turns around and gives us the contract. So essentially, they're taking like, if it's a $40 contract, yeah. we get like 30 of it, they take 10, and they just hand us the work. Yeah, they, you see that all the time in government yeah. contracting. Yeah. All the time. And the, the only reason I know that is, is because I was following a couple of people who like do government contracts for a living mm-hmm. and like they were talking about it. And I was like, that's interesting. It really is. But yeah. um, kind of like you just make money on putting the deal. Well, I, I guess that's no different than wholesaling in a way, like real estate yeah. being the middleman stuff, putting a deal together and then stepping out like that's still value. Yeah. But I thought I didn't realize property management companies up. I mean, think about that. If you hire, if you have a contractor doing 10 hours worth of work and you're paying them 35 and you're billing 70, you know, like 71 or 75 to your client and taking the difference for them to do the work. Now you're making money whenever you're the tenants that you're managing have problems. And so is it in your best interest as that property manager to keep them from having problems? <laughs> so or not? Like you get what I'm saying that it gets interesting when you really start digging into it. Yeah, it's one of those industries where um, you don't want your tenants to have problems, but they will. So yeah. it's, it's just one of those. It, it will very happen. Profitable. Yeah, it will happen. Things break down. Things fall apart. It will happen, even if you want it to or not right yeah <clears throat> cool so any plans on the uh for flex work just getting back on gear mm-hmm. for flex work and in the future um it's been a while since you guys and like gail and everything had your last event you have any events coming up in the future nothing big uh we we're still doing events the flex work well we're not the the um like our tenants and stuff do so I haven't put anything together because I've just been focusing pretty much all my time on window cleaning and all that. Right, like you're saying. And then, um, and winter is a fun season because I get into some of my more personal stuff, like rest, I'm a wrestling coach, and yeah, so I do that a lot, and that takes up a lot of time, but I enjoy that. Um, you have a personal life, Chris. <laughs> yes, I've with all the stuff you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. So we haven't we don't have any events planned or anything like that. We were my community manager was looking at getting some stuff started because she right. wanted to do networking events and all that. And I'm like, whatever you want, go ahead. Right. So there will be things coming up on the calendar eventually. I, I don't have anything planned personally yet. Right. I want to figure out a way to do, I want to like, I want to bring impact. I want to do an event at the flex work. I really do. Yeah. I'm just going to figure out the logistics for it. Cause I have no, I'm not an event person. I don't know. Like, I got a part. I don't like, I don't, I, like what you and Gail and them pulled off was like magnificent to me. And then I see people do that on a really high level. And I'm like, how do you get hundreds of people? In a room like yeah. That? I mean, that was all Gail. That was very, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So may have to loop different people in for things, but yeah. um, 
I definitely like events and workshops and stuff is something I want part of the organization to start out with and start bringing people together to understand the stuff um, as we build it. And I think we could do, I think we do it. At, I'd love to do it at the flex at the, I keep wanting to call it kill work, but the flex. I, know. I do it all the time. So, and then it would be cool. Like maybe open up a mini flex. Like I've been talking to another friend of mine and before i get into this do you want to make or do you plan to grow the flex work do you yes. want more locations yes the second part of that is this specifically a new hampshire thing or is this no. like a massachusetts vermont thing as well if if it panned out that way it could it could do anything it wants you know if it becomes the next we work that's fine i um, see if you streamline it and figure a good way to do it i think another good spot would end up in the burlington area in vermont because yeah. I have a friend who is very in tune up there with that economy and entrepreneurship and everything going on. Mm-hmm. And he sees a lot and he's going to be on the board of impact new England with me and getting local business owners to group together in areas to do things. And it just like, I don't know, I need to travel up there to check it out, but it might be a case of, I, I don't know what your ideal, like what you would, want a flex work to look like but it may be something that we could take the name and incubate it under the nonprofit just to get things done and provide a place up there for this stuff to take place and figure it out from there yeah Um, so i mean on that note um what i want flex work to become i think we've talked about this a bunch so what i've really been aiming at is light industry flexible co-working essentially so flex space warehouses with you know loading docks you know the whole shebang i've talked to you about this before yeah um with a good flexible co-working area yeah so flex space that's what they call in commercial real estate flex space so um and then specifically with the warehouses with cages with warehouse supplies so that businesses that need that type of thing which is incubate growth businesses that would want to leverage impact new that makes sense all right because um (laughs) getting warehouse space is even harder than uh getting an office you know Mm -hmm. because finding a small warehouse that's even remotely affordable for new businesses damn near impossible um so if we can yeah so if we can focus so if i can focus there that'll be a huge growth area for the flex work i gotta look up the burlington population but and figure out the name dynamics up there, but I think a flex, I think that type of that type of environment and kind of like a compact city area would be very valuable, like yeah. in a more populated, like well, not even more populated, but a more condensed version of a populated area. Well, um, flex space would really thrive in. Um, great example. I think it was Manchester, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was in that it was like buildings were back to back and it was a very vibrant place in New Hampshire with a lot going on that just screamed culture, but they had, it was a lot of business activity. Anyways, I think it was Manchester. Um, could be, but flex space uh, is one of the, um, I basically hired a mentor in commercial real estate that is development of all sorts of non-housing commercial real estate. And he loves flex spaces. He loves buying it, developing it. He loves taking it and then making reuse. He loves taking flex spaces and leasing them out to entrepreneurs. He says it's extremely um, safe investment uh, because the type of business that leases a flex space 
is one that wouldn't be killed off by a pandemic yeah. for the most part, which also, and it's also one that would be in, inherently be able to survive a recession, which is really interesting because it makes it this golden little RE nugget. And that's kind of like why I've been really digging into understanding non-housing commercial real estate, because the number one reason why local investors that leave New England leave yeah. that are in real estate is because of the housing and they don't, I, at least the ones I haven't talked to have never ventured outside of housing. And so if you venture outside of housing, what are the other options? Industrial, flex yeah. space, you know, retail and retail. We all know how that is. So what do you got? Industrial and flex space. And those actually turn out to be really good investments. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's why I'm aiming at it. It doesn't exist around here. Why is that? I'm curious. So I don't know. I wouldn't be able to give you a good answer. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's not like for a shortage of space. Yeah, there's a bunch of it. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, I see a few of them down in North Carolina from time to time. It's the one I looked at that really made me fall in love with the model. Mm -hmm. But I haven't seen Are we talking about like flex space or co-working flex space? Uh, I'm talking about just flexible space, like warehousing stuff. Right. Well, a lot yeah. of them, a lot of it is private. You don't even know it's for sale. Yeah. So it's, it's dealt with off market. At least that's one thing I've been learning. A lot of flex spaces bought, sold and flipped off market. Yeah. So yeah, pretty excited about it. That's what I'm looking in. That's the direction I want to go in. I think so you would, you wouldn't do be doing a leasing. You'd be doing like a co-working model for flex space. Just putting the vision. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit more similar to subletting, but it's not subletting. It's co-working, whatever, however you right rent out the offices or anything like, so that, yeah. like renting bays yeah so it would be like a huge warehouse with like 100 square foot cages right so you have like just enough space to set up you have your table you have your shelves with all your inventory on it and they can sit there and work and it gives them access to loading docks and all that stuff in an area where they can secure their stuff and uh and that's it it's just little little space they can work in do you have uh do you have an idea of where you want your next one to be i know you have an idea for the photo studio but what about flex work i had an idea so the flex work i wanted to move up towards concord right um i even have a space that in mind that would have been perfect for it but the realtors yeah. are dragging their feet super hardcore oh, is it the one you showed me yeah yeah that one <laughs> so still yeah, it's still open. It's still sitting there. Wow. I saw them. They, I saw the ad the other. Oh, not the ad. The the listing for it the other day. They're just sitting it there, holding it. I don't know why. They won't talk to you. They haven't gone back to you. What's the issue? No, I mean, I I, I haven't talked to them in like a year, so I could re-engage. But I also don't want to bother another damn realtor with the whole thing. You know, because if you my, want it bad enough, what be you know how Cardone is? Just do it. <laughs> Well, <laughs> trust me i got you on that one um <laughs> but it's like it'll happen it'll happen i'll find a space for it but that would be perfect because there's warehousing there everything is there right uh with the for the price all the offices would easily pay for itself times two so it's it's a real what was the last location. communication with the realtor on it where there's like oh i'll check it out for you and they never got back or what no we submitted a letter of intent um, with everything we needed to like business plan, our idea. No, they never everything. responded. And their realtor sent it to them. They never responded, never answered. And their realtor was annoyed because 
they're like we're wasting our time showing this unit to people and... wait so the business owners never got back to the realtor yeah they just they just never responded for them huh. so yeah it was weird who owns uh, it is it a corporation then like well i, I, mean, I don't know enough it. yeah i don't they know they have it in an llc i'm sure of that but i mean yeah, like, i'm sure who, is it a corporation not just a holding go like is it like or is it some private guy that just like eh. i don't know i don't know enough about that end of it i was just dealing with the realtor so yeah i'd go i'm i'm not you're you're nicer than me i'd go around them and try to find the person directly and i'd be hounding them until i got a straight answer yeah like, I mean, you haven't listed i'm gonna you either want to sell it or you don't so you're yeah, either yeah. taking this listing down or we're doing a deal <laughs> yeah so so that's so you're right i could push it a hell of a lot more um but i'm just trying to get if you got the listing you could skip tracy llc and pierce it get the phone number of the llc on the uh, there's there's i forget exactly there's a way to do it um yeah i mean you can look it up on um i used to be a pi so i mean if i could i find the guy yeah i could like (laughs) i'm not saying i couldn't figure that out Sell side his house with binoculars <laughs> because you know I stopped really pushing it because it was the oh man it might have been two years now the pandemic had hit everything was going I hammered down to focus entirely right. on my current location and now that the current location is building back up now would be a time I would look at expanding again so yeah you're right I might, I might take a look at that listing i want you to do it i think i i liked it because now that i remember the location i liked it i think it's a smart idea and i see the vision of it i did too jam and like, if it's still freaking if it's still on the market still sitting there there's a reason there's yeah. a reason these people have this listing still right there's the realtor wants to sell it because if it's his listing then he's probably getting sick of it yeah so there's there's something there and if he can't get a hold of him be like hey listen realtor i'm going around you and it's not to cut you out i'll cut you in if i get a hold of these people but there needs to be massive action here so i'm figuring it out with it with or without you so i'm not going around you mr realtor yeah but this is going to happen one way or another (laughs) so yeah either i'm gonna look these people up or you're gonna give me their names yeah yeah so yeah so that was it that was my idea for that location it would have been really nice um still possible so i guess i'm gonna actually look at it after we're off of here and yeah see what's going on yeah, throw me the location again i know you've uh, not on the podcast but off of yeah it yeah, and stuff yeah I gotcha. take another look yeah. at it because i would love that. that that would like do a lot for... do you remember the did they ever you, you said you submitted an loi so they gave yeah. you had an idea of how much it would lease for like not not you lease it for but how much you'd pay yeah of course so what how much was that um about the same as my current location so how many units you need to fill it for to, to cover that cost uh so unlike my current location i would have only needed to fill about 40 percent of it to cover the cost so right. it's way yeah. so it's less expensive with far more revenue just on offices not even uh, mail services or anything else. So and you it, had sublease, you had subleasing baked into that agreement at LOI that you submitted or um, we would need to talk about it. Cause that, I mean, that's part of our business model. So I explained right. that to them up front. So, but yeah, so it's, that's, I, I feel like businesses have a lot. I just, it would seem so I feel like commercial real estate businesses and people who own commercial real estate have a lot easier time allowing subleasing than 
<laughs> than you know like apartments and renters and stuff like that yeah because it's a different mindset and they kind of understand what's going on and what yeah and people kind of understand it because it's a co-working space mm-hmm. and so people it's not a new model people kind of understand what it is so yeah i mean the one, the one we the one i go to doesn't even have leases it's just access yeah that makes sense. That they have office, they have like dedicated offices that are part of their incubator program. But you have to apply, go through all that, become part of the incubator, abide by their rules. You know, you, you, it's a whole thing. Oh. Yeah. But their actual co-working space, which is co-working in general, is just like two hundred bucks a month, unlimited everything. Show up, show in. Here's your card. Whatever. There's no leases. So yeah, yeah. It's kind of like your fifty dollar a month model. It's a hundred. Hundred hundred dollar a month yeah. model stuff just just all right yeah interesting okay yeah I can't wait to see the flex work go um Bill I want to see I hope you I I would like to see you get the place in Concord because I want to see this actually built out oh absolutely like I would it would this one Do location lot. looked really good across the board so if it had I, gone through it would have been. Uh, Which is more near, folks, for population, Concord or Londonderry? It's hard to say, because um, Concord's Concord's pretty good. Londonderry's a good size, though. So, I mean, because Concord's, they're both about the same distance from Manchester, though. So it's hard to tell. Um, they both well, have that's not bad if they're both about the same distance. Yeah, it, in yeah, and because of its location, there's not a lot of small offices up in that other area especially as affordable as right business in the would be good for the community anyways you're giving them oh absolutely it would have been way more affordable for businesses to get in there and start working and uh it would just would have been it would have worked really well i had a bunch of people ready to move in and get started um because that was the thing when we submitted our letter of intent we sent them like we already have most of your rent covered with you know other LOIs, like other people ready to move. You know, we had members getting ready to start. Um, so we had LOIs for co-working members plus offices. And so like, we're ready to go. And they just never responded. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of like super annoyed about that. That's as bad as when I deal with business brokers that like, so there's there's business brokers I've dealt with in my like off-market stuff is that yeah. I'm not, this is like some of them like, they get paid when they do a transaction. So you would think they would follow up with you. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, there's somewhere I've had to chase them down more than they, so it's like, why am I doing your job? Yeah. And then the other part, just I'd like, you don't have to deal with this, but the other part that drives me nuts is anybody, any, not just business brokers, anybody who sends me a document with like 10, 12, whatever things to sign that doesn't have it integrated with something like PandaDoc or signatures yeah. or uh, DocuSign or yeah, any yeah. of that stuff and actually expects me to print it out, sign it and all these, write all this information out and then PDF it back into the computer and send it back to them. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, like, if you ever do that to me, I'm not doing it. <laughs> not, yeah. not you specifically, but anybody listening to this, you ever send me a document and it's like, at, I may do it if it's just me signing it. But if it's like asking me 10 plus questions 
and I have to do print it out. Like, make it so I can fill this thing out online, please. Yeah. yeah. Like, really? That drives yeah. me nuts. I don't I'm know. Make sure everything I send you is super complicated and you have to print it out now. <laughs> just print it out. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, like I'll, I'll uh, go even one better. Like, I'll mail it to you and then you'll have to fill it out <laughs> and mail it back. I just be like, I only accept these documents stamped and mailed back. Like, no, you'll mail it to me and I have to specifically fax it back to you. Yeah. They like, have to find a fax machine. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 I want you to buy a bird and tape it to its leg and then send it in my direction. Hopefully it gets here. Yeah, hopefully it gets here. Oh, my God. Oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> that's a good way to end this. Yeah, well, on that note, um, how do people reach, get a hold of you or reach out? Oh, anybody can get a hold of me at brandon at partnerridge.com. Um, we haven't talked about it in this while, but I, I changed my name of my holding company over from Cody Capital to Partner Ridge to get it off my middle name and actually have it stand for something bigger than me. So Brandon at PartnerRidge.com. And you can obviously go see that website if you want to check me out. And that's how you get a hold of me. Awesome. So, yeah, my name is Chris, uh, Chris Pastrana. You can reach out to me on pretty much any social media platform, Pastrana Enterprises. That's the big one. And then uh, Flexwork. <laughs> Let's see, we got flex work, strike fear clothing and apparel. Put up a bulletin board of your stuff. I know, right? I freaking need to. Um, NH tint, and uh, those are the big ones for now. So, more coming. <laughs> more every like, uh, Chris is just gonna own New England with me, so we're good. If, if I had enough money, I would, <laughs> I would have expanded drastically by now, absolutely. You know, oh, yeah, so. you're, you're the exact profile I want here in New England. Yeah. You have a hundred million dollar exit, you're buying up everything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, anyway. Awesome, uh, brother. It was great talking to you again. Absolutely. Good seeing you, man. All right. And thank Good you all for listening. Thank Get you all for listening. Time. Peace.